0: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And we are coming to you on a Sunday afternoon. It is about 3.30 in Chicago, and the Cubs have taken a split in Cincinnati. And Brendan, I think given the pitching matchups that we saw this weekend, namely a few of the guys going for the Cincinnati Reds and the Cubs road woes up until this point, I think we are all pretty content with a 2-2 and series here in Cincinnati.
1: I'll take it. You know, the the Reds, they had their nasty breaking ball going. They were chasing off the plate. The Cubs were. So all in all, it could have been worse. They fought back in that last game, and I'll take it, Corey. This was one of those
0: games on Sunday that we talk about a lot that does kind of... Change the way the the vibe of the podcast is going to go, and on Sunday we can thank one Christopher Lee Bryant for thank changing Chris, the tone yes. a little bit. I, I think a two and two split certainly feels a lot better than a one and three series loss. And the Cubs trailed late in this game on Sunday, three to two. A Jason Hayward bouncer. What do they call that? A Baltimore chop, Brendan? You're the baseball player. I think that's what JD said. I've actually never heard of that term before. I think that's what he said on the the broadcast. Balls the
1: more chop. If you Google
0: that and it means something else, don't blame me. I I did not look that up. I thought that's what J.D. said. But one of those high bouncers that just stays in the air too long, they can't convert the ground ball out. Nick Castellanos with a good at-bat, singles to keep the inning alive. And then for the first time, this is kind of a wild stat, Brennan, but for the first time since his three-homer game in the Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati— in 2016. And if you're wondering, why do I remember the year 2016? It is, yes, the year that the Cubs won the World Series. You won the you're, World Series a year, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right yep. to, to yep. you know, kind of have your alarms go off at hearing that year. But since 2016, Chris Bryan has not homered in Cincinnati. Kind of a, a very surprising stat. But he picked a very lovely time, Brendan, to break one out his 23rd of the season on Sunday, and it put the Cubs ahead. Ian Happ adding a dinger. And that would be how the Cubs would wrap up the series. So like we said, I I think you take the split. There's a a good bit to talk about in this series, and we will touch on all of it. So we've got some more roster moves. Steve Ciszek hitting the injured list with a hip injury, not something that uh, certainly sounds particularly great, but we will continue to monitor that. Kyle Ryan has been on the bereavement list. So all of our thoughts and well wishes out to Kyle Ryan and his family while he's dealing with what's going on there. And so we, we have some movement just in that regard, and the Cubs starting pitching in this series not at its best. Uh, pretty, you know, solid-ish starts from you Darvish and John Lester, uh, and bad starts from Kyle Hendricks and Cole Hamels, so we will kind of talk about all that and we will talk about the guys in the bullpen who stepped up in the absence of guys like Kyle Ryan, Steve Ciszek, and Craig Kimbrell who are all out this weekend and we do have some of those names to uh, discuss. But Brendan, I I do want to just kind of run through these games real quick. As always, four-game series, so I'll kind of try to keep this pretty abbreviated Uh, i think you guys are all paying attention but just so that we have the groundwork for our lengthy conversation to come on thursday the cubs a 12 to 5 win so cole hamill's not a good start three innings he gives up eight hits four earned runs five runs two walks two strikeouts he gives up a home run so not his best and obviously a very short outing 77 pitches in those three innings but the cubs offense was up to the task against Sonny Gray and the Reds pitching staff to get Hamels off the hook here. Anthony Rizzo with an RBI double in the first, and it was the Nick Castellanos show. Brendan, he hits two home runs in this game, one in the third, his 13th of the year, and one in the fourth, his 14th of the year. The one in the fourth put the Cubs up 6-5 after the Reds had tied things up with a three-run bottom of the third. Jonathan Lucroy getting in on the action in his first start with the Cubs. He had an RBI double. Ian Happ with his 13th Third homer of the year in the seventh to make it nine to five. Chris Bryant with an RBI single to score two runs. And then Jonathan Lucroy would add another RBI later in this one. That would be the Cubs 12th run. And that is all that she would write in that one. And the one thing that I do want to note in this game, this was another outing from Tyler Chatwood that we have to make sure we take a pause and talk about. He actually picks up his fifth win of the year, which I think is deserved and reflective of the job that he has done in some of these games. He's gotten those spot starts. We know that. We've seen him in a, a variety of different roles for this Cubs team, but he really seems to be thriving in these opportunities where he is asked to give the Cubs some length give them a few innings, either keep them in the game, save the rest of the bullpen, whatever the particular task is of the day. Tyler has been up to it for the most part. In this one on Thursday, he goes three innings, allows just one hit, no runs, just one walk, and he strikes out six. And his ERA on the season now under four at 3.92. So for a guy that obviously came over here to start, you got to give him a lot of credit for adapting to the role and you know really working on what plagued him in his first year with the Cubs, the obvious lack of command, and he's found a way to be pretty productive here. And we've seen throughout the years a a good chunk of these games where you're not really sure what the outcome would be if Tyler is not able to eat up some of these innings and eat them up so effectively as he has. So uh, Thursday was certainly one of those games, so definitely a tip. 2-1 Tyler Chatwood, Dwayne Underwood Jr. also getting in this one two-thirds of an inning. He gives up a hit, also a strikeout, and no runs or walks in this one. So uh, another good showing for Dwayne there on Friday. This was a 5-2 to two Reds win. The Cubs would jump out to an early lead, and guess who? It was Nicholas Castellanos, his 15th Shocker. of the year. I think we've mentioned this before, but big fans of Nicholas Castellanos uh, here on the Cubs-related podcast, uh, and then things would go south from there. The Cubs... I think on Sunday they they finally figured out how to do it. Uh, but Aristides Aquino for the Reds with a pretty unorthodox batting stance was just destroying the ball. Brendan, he uh, this wasn't even his biggest game on Friday, but he does hit his fourth homer of the year in this one that put the Reds up two to one. Suarez homers vado Homers Peraza with an r b i single yada yada, Anthony Rizzo would get hit by a pitch with the bases loaded in the top of the eighth to bring home a run, but that would be all that she wrote five to two the final to read you darvish's final line in this one he goes six allows just four hits, four earned, no walks, and nine strikeouts, but he gets bit by the home run ball. Not a good ballpark for you to be pitching in as as really that has been the thing that the the one issue he's really had in 2019, as he's gotten those walks under control for the better part of the last you know month plus or whatever it is, uh, is the home run ball. So this is not a good lineup and not a good ballpark for him to pitch in. But otherwise, that line is really good. Still no walks, nine strikeouts, so he's still generating a ton of whiffs. Command was pretty good, but when three of the four hits you allow are home runs, and the offense wasn't there for him on that day, so he does take the L in this one, but a a pretty good outing for you. I think you can live with that, and and you know he's just got to keep that home run ball in check, and the Cubs do lose the game to Trevor Bauer, so congratulations on your regular season win. Trevor, you did still lose two games in the 2016 World Series. Which two if games, you're doing, yes. Yeah, if you're doing the quick math there, Brendan, that is 50% of the Indians' losses in the 2016 World Series were uh, hung on Trevor Bauer. So you can kind of pick or choose. You can take the August win in 2019 or the two World Series losses. I, I know what I would choose. But on Saturday it was a bit of a laugher for the Reds Kyle Hendricks was you know Brendan I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that Kyle's going to want to not throw 86 mile an hour fastballs right down the middle of the plate to some of these Reds hitters I think that he knows that but it definitely did not show up on Saturday this one gets out of control pretty quickly uh the Reds take a one to nothing lead in the first inning, and like I said, Aristides Aquino just going off in this game. He hits three home runs in this game, uh, and I'm not going to read the rest. I'm looking at this recap here, and it's just a lot of Reds. Uh, a lot of guys in Reds hats uh, on, the, on the scoring plays of this MLB.com game day. The one thing of note for the Cubs, Kyle Schwarber does hit his 27th home run of the year. Final line on Kyle. Hendricks, two and two-thirds, 12 hits, seven earned runs, no walks, and two strikeouts. He allows three home runs. He is now eight and nine on the season. Even with seven earned runs, Brendan, his season ERA is sitting at 3.48. So you know that Kyle's having a very good year when a seven-run outing in two innings doesn't really uh, make the ERA look particularly ugly, but this would be all that she wrote in this one. And actually, just a correction from earlier, it was Alex Wood that the Cubs uh, did the damage on on Thursday, not Sonny Gray. They would face him on Saturday and score no runs on Sonny Gray. So I know Sonny Gray listens to the podcast. Apologies for uh, adding those fake runs to your earned run average, Sonny. uh, That was all she wrote on Saturday. I don't think we have to talk about that one again. And already kind of ran through what happened on Sunday. The Reds would take a three to nothing lead into the top of the sixth inning here on Sunday. Javi would double to bring home Jason Hayward in the sixth. That made it 3-1. to Tony Kemp, as we mentioned, I think on that last podcast, a guy you can... rely on to say hey we need some contact here we need you to put the ball to the right side put the ball to the outfield he does just that after Ian Happ doubles gets over to third base and Tony Kemp grounds to the right side to bring home the second run of the day for the Cubs and then that scenario I laid out earlier plays out Two outs, nobody on Jason Hayward with a very high chopper on the infield that the Reds cannot convert into the out as Jason's got that pretty good speed. Nick Castellanos uh, with a good at-bat to stay alive and singles up the middle. And then Christopher Bryant with his 23rd home run of the year puts the Cubs up 5 to three Ian Happ would add a homer in the top of the eighth that made it six to three and the Cubs lock this one down we will talk about this I think it's a good transition Brendan Uh, But they go David Phelps, who has a clean inning, no walks, no hits, and a strikeout. Rowan Wick, who picks up his second hold of the year. We've talked about him a lot over the last few weeks. Two innings, one hit, no runs, no walks, and four strikeouts for Rowan Wick. And then we turn our hats to the left. Brendan for Pedro Stropes. 10th save of the year. He goes an inning. He walks one, strikes out one, no hits, no runs. And I thought he looked pretty good in this one, uh, generating a, a good amount of whiffs, the braking stuff looked good. Is he vintage Pedro Strope? Probably needs some more outings to figure that out, and and maybe that may not come again, but he looked good. He looked better than we've seen at certain times this year, and obviously he's building back up from being on the injured list, so good to see Strope out there. Good to see him be effective and lock down this win for the Cubs. So again, a two-and-two two split, and Brendan, I, I think the, the thing I want to talk about first, I, I do want to clarify something with you, and I asked you this before we got on, but I, I want to make sure okay. I do it on the air. Yeah. I was told by the internet uh twitter reddit a lot of those places specifically instagram comments if you have the courage to read through them (laughs) um i was told that chris bryant was not clutch could not get big hits didn't have that dna in his body um but the home run on sunday that was a pretty big hit brendan
1: yeah, I, you know what? It's weird. I feel like Chris Bryant, you know, he never has these— oper- wait a second, he has about 20 of those, Corey. So just add this to oh, the bucket list. right. Yeah, I know. You know, if, if, if you remember, too, in that World Series year, he had several, several game-tying or go-ahead home runs. So just add this to the list. We made a list on CubsInsider.com of about 18 was it, 18? Maybe 20 or so, you know, eighth-plus inning hits that either tied the game or took the lead.
0: Yes. Uh, so that definitely is the case. I, I think we've talked about this on here before that he does have, like like you just mentioned, he's got a ton of really big hits. Uh, you know, if you d- you dig into maybe like specific metrics over periods with his numbers and runners and scoring position, maybe you'd want them to be better. But the, the dude clearly has the ability to come through in, in big moments. I might direct you to particular home runs in the World Series. We, we often mention that were pretty clutch and, and pretty important home runs in Chicago Cubs history but always good to see KB do things on a more regular basis that kind of bust that narrative a little bit because he you know quite literally wins this game for the Cubs on Sunday but Brendan I want to start with just the pitching staff as a whole I think because obviously sure. we 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 kind of went through in the last podcast and we have over the last few weeks here a lot of injuries, a lot of movement, a lot of things going on with this pitching staff. Like I mentioned, pretty good starts from Lester and Darvish. Not great from either of them, but I think, especially for Lester coming back from that start against the A's, he looked good, probably could have gone another inning in this one, uh, but you know, five hits, three earned, three walks, seven strikeouts against this Reds lineup. I thought it was a good performance from John. Didn't uh, appear to be getting hit too hard in this one. Uh, A good outing from him. And, you know, maybe an Angel Hernandez call or two away from even a, a more productive outing here for John. You a good outing, just too many home runs, something that he's well aware of. And I, I don't know if you have that quote from him, but he actually, I think, talked tossed out an expletive in, in one he of did, his yes. uh, interviews. I, I very much
1: enjoyed that, yeah.
0: Yeah, but Cole Hamels, bad outing. Kyle Hendricks, bad outing. And like I said, Steve Ciszek hitting the injured list. Kyle Ryan has been on the bereavement list. And so you've got a lot of these guys stepping into different roles. And I, I think the maybe the place to start and where I'll throw it to you is this this was a really nice outing on Sunday with the two innings for Rowan Wick we we talked about him in the last few weeks and especially I think on the last episode or maybe two episodes ago we really highlighted how important it was to get him into spots like this and see what he was capable of when you're dealing with injuries like you have to someone you know we don't know if Brandon Morrow is ever going to come back we don't know it, you know, like I said, I, I would prefer like a wellness check on him once a week. I, I just at this point, I'm I don't even believe when they say, "Oh yeah, he threw a flat ground today." I'm like, prove it, <laughs> right? Like, do we even right. believe that that's happening? I don't know. It's like a conspiracy is he still alive? Dude. Yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, Craig Kimbrell on the injured list, so that was mostly precautionary as as they were kind of relaying that information to us. Kinsler on the, the I.L., that also kind of sounded precautionary. Uh, but now Sechek after a really rough outing in that Oakland series you know, he's on the injured list. And, and that,
1: that one sounds more serious, too, than yeah. the others. Yeah, because yeah, so you that look was at kind of the, his
0: delivery and, and the way that his body moves. You, there's some articles, Eno Saris shared a good one that I think we link to on CubsInsider.com that just kind of goes into the details of guys that throw like C-Sheck may be more prone to some, some types of serious injuries. So have to keep an eye on that. But really important for guys like Rowan Wick to get these opportunities— Get their number called in these high leverage spots and see what they're made of. And so far, Rowan Wick has done nothing but impress. Uh, again, two innings, just one hit, no runs, no walks, four strikeouts. He's got a 1.7 ERA on the year. And you watch him touching, you know, hot, you know, upper nineties with that fastball. He's got a great breaking ball, and he, he looks like he's really building that confidence out there, Brendan, to be a high leverage, you know, top of your bullpen type reliever.
1: Yeah, and we talked about this too on the last podcast. But Joe Madden emphasized this point during the during the series where, yeah, the Cubs do have a lot of bullpen injuries right now. Most of them don't seem to be severe, but it gives other guys opportunities to showcase what they got. We see what happened with Rowan Wick, but we also saw what happened with Dwayne Underwood Jr. as well. So we have two guys who have an extremely lethal fastball, both of whom throw fastballs 95, 96, 97. Rowan Wick has a dirty curveball, Corey, dirty curveball. And then Dwayne Underwood has that nasty changeup. So the Cubs instantly infuse two guys who have tons of heat and a good secondary pitch where early on in the year, they were getting away with a lot of contact-oriented type relievers like Brandon Kinsler, who's still been pretty good, but someone like Steve Cishek, well, as who's who was good throughout the entire season as well. But they didn't have a lot of those high velocity guys, and a lot of others have pointed out the Cubs just don't have that type of makeup. But once Kimbrel comes back, right? Once Strope regains his health, which he looked pretty good in that last outing, by the way, and everyone comes back to health, the Cubs may have a really solid deep bullpen. Where now it's not just you know one through four guys, but maybe it's eight guys teaming up, especially when rosters expand. So I, I'm I'm more confident I think about this bullpen despite these injuries. I know it sounds weird, but I'm assuming Campbell's going to come back. He'll be fine. I'm assuming Kinsler that again that was precautionary. He'll be fine. Maybe that's just my optimism going forward. But the team as a whole, when they're you know, at their optimal level, especially in the bullpen. I feel better about it. The Steve seizure injury, though, Corey, that, that that was not good. And the results have not looked good for Steve over the past, uh, what is it, two, three weeks now. So clearly, the hip has been bothering him. He even said that he did not disclose his injury to trainers, which is you know our favorite thing. So he's been pitching with his hip injury for, who knows now, maybe even more than two weeks, three weeks, whatever it is. Hope Steve gets back healthy, but that one, that one's going to eat me up just because, you know, hip injuries have sidelined Sijek early in 2016, 2017. He had a, a torn labrum. So it's one of those issues where you just don't feel confident in, and it sucks to say, but even when he comes back, you just really don't know. But if someone like Dwayne Underwood can step up, if Rowan Wick continues to perform like that, all of a sudden you still have that deep bullpen, which is something I think Theo really wanted to emphasize by going out and even getting someone like David Phillips, who has also been pretty good. So overall, bullpen, I get the issues. I get the injuries are concerning. But overall, I still feel comfortable with who we have right now.
0: Yeah, the, the C-Sheck thing is certainly concerning, though I I, I do kind of—this was bound to happen, right? Like, they, they run him out there every other game for, for the past year plus since they've had him on the team. Uh, eventually you're not going to be able to rely on that and and I don't I mean, mean it still that sucks though well, of like, course and, yeah and still, I don't mean that he was bound to sucks. get hurt necessarily but the, the way that he's been used and and how much they've relied on him was was bound to reach a boiling point at some point and it, and it may come with this injury but hopefully he's able to to work through that and and come back at some point here and be uh, effective for this team but You know, look, Brendan, I I think that we have to look at this stuff as perhaps these types of injuries and guys missing time. Sometimes this type of stuff can be a blessing in disguise. And that's certainly an optimistic look on it. But what it does is what we've been saying. It forces guys like Wick Underwood, etc., to be thrown into higher leverage spots and see what they're made of. And we already kind of saw the Cubs succeed with that to a degree with a guy like Brandon Kinsler and Kyle Ryan. Early in the year, you, you had a rotating shuttle of guys going up and down from the bullpen. You didn't have Kimbrel yet. You had Strope struggling at times, etc., And you start to use Brandon Kinsler and Kyle Ryan in more high-leverage spots, and lo and behold, they really take to the role and have been huge factors in this bullpen for this Cubs team for the entire season now. Again, Ryan on the bereavement list now should be back shortly, I I would think. And Kinsler, it sounded like it would be the minimum stay on the injured list, no more than those 10 days, just to make sure that everything is good there with that pec soreness that he had. But you've you've found success in in sort of asking them to do a little bit more than maybe you would have originally intended, and so perhaps getting Wick into these high leverage spots, getting Underwood up with the team, seeing what he has, letting him get into more of these spots and and develop into a major league reliever, and like you mentioned, figuring out ways to use guys like Derek Holland and David Phelps correctly, giving Strope the opportunity to come back from the injury and and see if he's ready to jump back into those high-leverage spots. Perhaps all of the movement and all of the trying guys out and, and having guys up and down, perhaps ultimately by, you know, when we head towards September here and, and hopefully into the playoffs, you've you, you've kind of been able to use that time to build the best bullpen that you can and, and see what some of these guys are really capable of and put them in roles that you might not have otherwise gotten them in if they didn't have the opportunity to pitch like like would Rowan Wick be in this spot would we be even considering him as a high leverage option for this team heading into the final month plus of a division race if he were not able to get these opportunities like probably not you'd be like what are we going to call up a guy from triple a and ask him to be the the eighth inning guy no but he had these opportunities he looks really good and it kind of changes how you're looking at things and so so maybe this is a good thing obviously you need those guys to come back healthy and be effective for this to to really be a blessing in disguise because then you're able to put it all together right for the final product but I do think that there sometimes can be a good thing instead of just saying our only answer, Brendan, right, for the eighth inning, say when Kimbrel's back, is C-Shek, c c right? <laughs> You're forced to find different answers. And when you have guys like Wicks stepping up, it now you can, when c hopefully comes back, you can say, OK, well, the answer doesn't have to just be c over and over again. We've tried some of these other guys out and they look like they can handle the job.
1: And we're not even talking about Chatwood, too. You mentioned him earlier right, in the podcast, but Chatwood's been exceptional, Corey. Not only in just one-inning roles, but in multi-inning roles. So Rowan Wick can go multiple innings. Dwayne Underwood can go multiple innings. Tyler Chatwood can go multiple innings. Those three guys all throw 95 to 98 and can go multiple innings. Off the top of my head, I could be wrong, but I don't think there's many guys in any major league bullpen That can go multiple innings and throw 98. I may be wrong. Find them for me. But for three guys to do that, that could be significant come the playoffs. And then you throw in one of those starters in the Cubs' current rotation, whether it's Quintana, whether it's Hamels, whatever it is in the bullpen, the bullpen becomes instantly very deep. And it's not the source of a lot of my attention right now. I I think right now it is worth talking about the rotation just because the guys are coming back from injuries. Some of them are throwing a little bit slower. Not concerned about it, but I do think that tension does weirdly flip right to that rotation right now, Corey.
0: Yeah, it 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 just was not the the best weekend, which is weird because obviously you know we're coming pretty fresh off that stretch where they went those six starts without walking anybody, and it's it's always I know your alarm bells, Brendan, go off when we're seeing those
1: eighty sixes
0: out of well, Kyle that's Hendricks. That's what I mean.
1: Yeah, and even with Hamills too, since coming back from the injuries, throwing about one mile per hour slower. So and Lester, we know Lester's age and whatnot, not to piss you off over there, but it's still something people are talking about, where Hendricks and Lester and Hamels may not be showcasing their best stuff right now, giving people cause for concern. I I, I get it. Are you concerned with those three guys in particular? I'm not even mentioning Quintana, but as a whole, are you feeling different about this rotation now than even three weeks ago when some guys were healthy, some guys were throwing faster? Where are you right now? No.
0: I feel about the same... Same exact... Yeah, I mean, I think I've been pretty clear about my expectations and my
1: feelings towards this rotation pretty much uh, since the offseason. So do you just expect Hamels to regain his stuff from where we saw it in, you know, early June, most of May? Because he is, he looks a little different, Corey, since coming back from that, that, that oblique injury.
0: Yeah, I think Hamels is one we have to keep an eye on because, again, like he dealt with this injury before he came back when he was with Texas and was not as effective and was pretty open about the fact that he felt he came back early. It affected his performance. He was compensating for things. Etc. So right. definitely want to keep an eye on that, but I'm I'm going to give him you know a little more time to try and work his way back, get that get that feel back, and uh, you know again th- this is a tough lineup with this Reds team. It's a tough ballpark to pitch in. So let's let's get some starts somewhere else, and you know maybe we can evaluate a little further, but. Again, I I feel like this rotation, all I've really ever expected out of them or asked of them is that I think in general, they're going to keep the team in the game. They're going to deliver quality starts more often than not and give this offense a chance to compete in these games. And with that is going to be some bad starts. Like I, I think that this is not a rotation where I was ever expecting them to be lights out Or just a total shutdown nightmare of a staff for teams on a day-by-day basis. I don't think I've ever said that was my expectation, and it certainly hasn't been. Uh, So I think that when you're really just asking them to be good solid keep the team in games and obviously you have those guys that do have the potential to go on really hot runs and really dominant runs but i i, I wouldn't be expecting them to do it all the time so i think sometimes you're just going to have series like this like i think we know that hendricks is not the pitcher that we saw in this start over the weekend here against the reds he hasn't been that pitcher for the majority of the 2019 season but he has these outings like we know he he doesn't throw very hard so sometimes when he he you know the velo isn't there, on a particular night, his arm maybe isn't feeling as good that night, and his command isn't there, he's going to get blown up. It happens. This isn't the first time, and it probably won't be the last time. So I haven't really changed any of my thoughts with the rotation. I'm not particularly concerned. I think that just with this group, the way that they're structured, especially a few of these guys not throwing particularly hard, you're going to have stretches where it just doesn't look very good. But I, I, I think that I... Feel comfortable in relying on them to turn that around and not let a a
1: stretch like this linger for too long. Yeah, I'm not concerned about the rotation, but my again, my attention is there just because I feel so much stronger about the bullpen. Even again, even with those injuries, but for Cole Hamels, when he just went on the injured list, his release point had a noticeable dip where he was throwing a little bit closer to his body. Some of the some of the data from uh, Brooks Baseball shows that. So when he came back from the injured list, good to see the release point is right back up in that range from where we saw it not just this year, but last year as well. So I think with Cole, he looks healthy, at least from some of the data. Who knows if that's even the, an appropriate way to use it? But he still looks, I think, healthy. And even in that Cincinnati start, despite getting blown up, Velo was a little bit higher. So when he first came back in that first start, he was throwing 90 to 91. This most recent start, he was throwing 91, 92, some 93s in there. His overall average uh, velocity was 91.5 within range for most of the year. So it, it just may take a little bit more time for Cole to get that field back. But at the very least, the reason I'm most you know, encouraged about this recovery was because when he came back from his previous oblique injury... The mechanics were still off and that's what he was talking about where he wanted to take his time coming back and not force the issue because when he did that early on with the Rangers his mechanics were messed up and the data showed that where his release point was noticeably different so at least for for causing or for giving anyone else more concern about Cole Hamels that type of data does suggest that he is healthy which I think is good to see. And then just to bring in you Darvish over here, despite giving up with those multiple home runs uh, in, in that first start in Cincinnati, I thought he looked fine. I still think he was getting the whiffs. He was throwing 95, 97. Stuff looked good. Fastball command looked really good. And I like the attitude, too. He's cursing after the game. So he gave up. Uh, what He had like nine strikeouts, four hits. Three of them were home runs. And he used an expletive F in home runs. I love it, right? So I, I think throwing Darvish into that mix, I am... Extremely confident in giving Darvish a top two start in the playoffs if they were to start tomorrow. I think he has the mindset. He's feeling his fastball. He's throwing really hard. Secondary stuff looks really good. Overall, the rotation, I'm not concerned about it. Still will monitor Hamels with Hendricks. He's fine. You know, he has one start every now and then, it just does not look good. He's still. You just can't be concerned about Hendricks, I think, unless there's an injury or something, which it doesn't appear to be. That's the case. Overall, fine with the rotation, Corey.
0: Yeah, and like you said, with the Darvish post game quote, you know, him him saying the effing home runs. I, yeah. I love that from him because it, it yeah, so does do feel a little bit to me. And we talked about this with Jason Hayward, where. Darvish, the the language coming from him, the body language and the performance, it, it really does scream of someone who is feeling the success of all the work that they've put in to kind of reverse course from the past struggles, and now they're at the point where they're getting pissed off about the stuff that's that's still hampering them, and, and I think right. that's a really good sign for you. There, there's no more feeling sorry for myself. There's no more I need to be a contributor for this team. He knows he's contributing to this team. And now he's getting pissed off when he's not getting close to perfect, right? I mean, it's
1: what, like, Hayward said early in the year, like, better late than never, you know, S, you you get it, right? right. So, like, their comfort level with the media and owning some of the issues they had earlier— it's recognizable, and so for you to have this type of persona with the media, I think that's extremely encouraging yeah they they
0: feel like guys who know that they have turned a bit of a corner and for now sure. they're able to focus on like oh okay, like hopefully that's behind me, but now i'm getting pissed off that i'm not perfect and that i'm not excelling at the way I really want to be and I think that's a good sign it's it's a sign of you know real competitors and it's where you want these guys
1: to be i, I think mentally but if you hold on, if you were to rank in order your level of confidence with these starters one through Ooh. five, who, who would it be? We should right we now? should do a check in on that, like every <laughs> every, yeah, every every like few weeks. weeks. Uh,
0: wow, uh, I mean, me I would first, still probably put Hendricks close to the top. I, I
1: mean, I might no, no, still... you got to rank them, Corey. You can't do that. Okay, Give me one through five, one Come through
0: on. five confidence right now. And we're just talking right confidence level, or confidence. am I putting like a playoff rotation together? Because it's Whatever different. You want to say? Yeah, confidence. Confidence. Because I was going to say, it's a different conversation. Not, uh, John Lester's a, a different rotation. pitcher
1: if we're talking about the playoffs. I, I, so. I, well, that goes into your confidence ranking. So what's one through five for your confidence?
0: I would probably say Hendricks. Okay. Then I would say... Tough one. Hamels. <laughs> but I'd like really? to okay. see... Him you know he's coming back from an injury, but i but i I yeah. still would need to see more from him, even in a negative direction before i I lost confidence with him. I just think he's been so good for this team, and uh he just knows how to make those adjustments at this point in his career. Okay. Then I would probably say you Darvish right now at three. Wow! I would wow. put uh, John at four and Jose at five. And and really, that's wow. again when we're talking confidence, it sort of depends on what the exact question is. But I just you know I think you know it's it's not rocket science to think that Darvish has a bit of a higher ceiling than John does right now in terms of the outings that he's able to put out. So again, if we're talking playoffs, like John's, you know, probably one or two, he just gets it done in the in the big moments. Um, but I think, you know, you just kind of have to lay all your cards on the table and just be honest about things. Like John's prone to these blow up starts. It's just what right. it is. And I think that the guys like Hendricks, Hamels, and Darvish have just shown a a more, you know, reliably to offer a bit of a higher ceiling at this point in in where they're pitching and where their careers are. But it it could go either way. If we were talking maybe a couple weeks ago prior to that Oakland start, you know, I'm probably feeling a lot better about John. But there's definitely just some of those outings where as a big fan of John's, I feel very helpless, right? Like I'm just watching it get pounded all over the place. And it's just, (laughs) it's, very hard for me to uh, like put into where it's just a very helpless feeling where I, I want him to be better I believe he's better but sometimes it just happens so but yeah. I, you know I also think we're like really splitting hairs to a degree I, I, I do feel pretty comfortable with this group as a whole because even Quintana at five that that's that's really sort of like disrespectful to Q he's been pretty good for the majority of this year and I think if you ask me to give him the ball in a one game playoff or something like that like I I'd be pretty confident that he was going to give you a good outing even though again he's prone to the the blow-ups and maybe his ceiling isn't as high as some of those other guys but that's a tough question but I I think that's where I would go my my confidence in Hendricks doesn't really waver he, he's just been that dude for so long for this team and you know a, a bad outing in Cincinnati isn't going to change that um, yeah but yeah, I, I guess
1: that's where I am. But I get it. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, you're, you're, it's you're tough. thinking more. You're thinking more long term here, which which I like for your, you know, for your rankings, or whatever. But I think for the short term, let's say the next two weeks, right? Like, who do I feel most confident to go out there and give you a quality start? Like right now, not even thinking about the playoffs or September, just right now. And for me, for me, I honestly think it has to be Darvish in the top two. Like, if we're going out for this next series. Who do I want most pitching? And I think right now, it's Hendricks, it's uh, Darvish, it's Lester, number three for me, despite that blow up. I think the command, I think the cutter looks good. I think he's still getting the whiffs, especially on the curveball today. Those are the top three. And then with Hamels, he's my number four, just because right now, he's still getting back from that injury, which is something to monitor. Number five is still q The reason Q is number five is just because of those whiffs that he does not get, and he's not a heavy ground ball pitcher. So even though Hendricks does not get as many whiffs either, a lot of the contact's going to be weak. He has an exit velocity better than 95% of Major League starters. Q does not have that portfolio. But it goes to show you just how Darvish is pitching right now. I think when he takes the ball... You're expecting like double digit strikeouts. You can't get that from most other guys in the rotation right now. And I think that has value next week in two weeks. And we'll see how that plays off once the season progresses. And the playoffs are a completely different beast. You have different matchups, lefty, righty centric lineups you may be facing. So, not to say, oh, you know, this is the playoff rotation I want going forward, but in my belief, how the rotation shapes up right now. Who do I like watching pitch the most? Who do I feel most confident in pitching right now? I would say Darvish is number two and Hendricks is number one.
0: Yeah, I, I think we're we're pretty much in agreement. We were sort of like half answering different questions. Uh, yeah. I, I do have an ability, an inability to think in the short term like that. Uh, sometimes because, like, I, I do agree with you. I, I think, like, if you ask me to give one of them the ball tomorrow, I'm giving Lester the ball and not Hamels. Uh, but I guess I'm yeah, just that's banking. What, and that's what I mean by that. Yeah. Like,
1: so I, I, I get what you're saying with your long term picture. Right. I, so I agree with
0: you. I guess yeah. in theory, we have the same rankings where it would be Hendricks, Darvish, Lester, Hamels, Q. Uh, but I just am, uh, I'm, Banking on long term Hamels getting back to what we've seen from him right. over the last
1: year plus. It's Just right now it's an Cubs. uncertainty. Yeah. It's not it, as if it's I sure. mean, it's not like it's not gonna happen. I think it's going to happen just like you, but right, right now, like when Darvish gets lit up, you're kind of surprised that's the case right now. Mm-hmm. And again, it goes to show you the progression he's made over the last several months now. It's just right. it's fun to watch and him getting on the mound. I'm expecting ten plus strikeouts every single time now. Yeah.
0: But I, again, like I, I feel pretty good about the way that I talked about this rotation all offseason. I, I said over and over again that I think they have a fly, a high floor. And that's why I was pretty comfortable with this group despite maybe lower velos, age, et cetera, whatever concerns you may have had. And I think that they've delivered on that. I think they've delivered on being a, a solid to, to, Good rotation that really allows this team to compete in games and stay in games. Like I I don't think that this rotation is costing this team. If you're looking on the whole, nearly right as much as the offense has at times or the bullpen has at times. I think this rotation has done their job, and I think they're going to continue to do their job. And really, like we've talked about, I think you and I, Brendan, over the last couple years. And this is the case, and it has been all year. It does not matter what order they are in one to five at any given time, right? It just matters that somebody's performing deservedly to be at the top, right? right? And at the beginning of the year, for the first seven or eight starts, it was John Lester with a 1.16 ERA. For a while, it was Cole Hamels. For a while, it was Kyle Hendricks. For a stretch, it was Jose Quintana. For the last bit, it's probably been you Darvish. And that's what I think is all you need from this rotation. You just need somebody to be stepping up at any given time and being that guy you are super confident in, they can give you a dominant start. And at times, if everybody's healthy and going right, you have a handful of those guys. So I'm I'm good with this rotation. I think they're in a good spot, despite not the best overall weekend in Cincinnati here. But I do want to talk about the offense for, I, I guess perhaps the remainder of the of the podcast. Here we've talked about every other aspect of this team, and I I, I want to go back to Chris Bryant, if you'll allow me, Brendan, just for a second, and I I do want to read a stat uh, that's coming across my Twitter as I'm talking uh, on this podcast, and it is from Joe Ostrowski from 670 The Score, and he gave out a, a few lines for Chris Bryant and and these are his numbers with runners on and then I'll read his numbers with runners in scoring position and two outs in 2019 with runners on Chris is hitting 291 with a 391 on base percentage and a 526 slugging percentage good for a 917 OPS and in 2019 with runners in scoring position and two outs he is hitting a for a 289 batting average a 400 on base percentage and a six 58 slugging percentage a 1058 ops now granted obviously in one year runners in scoring position with two outs is not a, a gigantic sample size but all of those numbers are really good all right so we've talked about this a bunch but chris bryant is just really good he's one of the best players in baseball full stop end of discussion. Like, do you want him coming through maybe in more of those spots? You could nitpick individual innings where you want him to come through, right? But the numbers are really good. His overall numbers are near the top of the league. He's really, really good. And that's really all there is to say about it. But I wanted to read those numbers in particular because it's just something that comes up all the time. Chris Bryant is in clutch. He's, he's, you know, He can't get the big hit, he, whatever. And it's really just not true, so yeah. there you go. That that's all I, I really mean, people, wanted to say.
1: Some people do forget too because they end up losing this game, but in game three of the NLDS, Corey, he tied the game five to five right. on a home run in the ninth inning. Like that's clutch. And then in the World Series, of course, tied the game uh in, in game five one to one with a home run. Game six let off the game with a home run, right? right? So he has the whole clutch gene thing is just bizarre. He has multiple walk-off home runs. The one in 2015 started that massive uh, stretch in August and September that led them to 97 wins, multiple walk-off hits, multiple walk-off home runs. The the idea that he's not clutch is just simply not true. And again, he has around 20 or so eighth inning game-tying or go-ahead hits that sometimes give. I feel like with these types of players who are always consistently good that's their norm and when they don't come through that gets highlighted it's like the same thing with albert omora where his norm is not good and so when he does well that gets highlighted and that's some weird concept that some fans have and i get it but chris bryant is so good that when he's not so good that gets magnified
0: yeah, and I and I get it like to a degree, right? When when a guy is the best player on your team, or you know, I, I know that some people have differing opinions on that, whether it's rooted in uh, statistics or not, but. You want them to come through every time, right? You want them to be that guy and, and just carry that burden. And especially when you look, I, I guess, north at, at a team in the Brewers who would probably win 70 games a year if Christian Jelic didn't do literally that, uh, on, on a regular basis. I, I get where it comes from, but it, it's it's just such a wild standard to hold somebody to. Like somebody like Brian, right. who, like you said, has come through in so many of these big spots. And the numbers, especially in 2019, bear out that he's just as good as he always is in, in those particular high leverage and runners on. Situations like you, you just can't expect him to get it done every single time. I I know there's going to be games where the Cubs have runners on and you need KB to get that big hit. He can't do it every time, nobody does it every time. Uh, so I understand where like kind of that scrutiny or you know, you you, you want them to be that guy every single time, but it's just not realistic. And and I, I just wanted to read those numbers to remind everybody like he's been really good with runners on and runners on and two outs. He's come through in a lot of these situations. And his numbers on the whole are near the top of the league as a hitter. And he hits right. just about as well in these higher leverage
1: spots. So there's really... I, I see a lot of fans who, you know, cite that clutch statistic on fan graphs. The clutch statistic is normalized against your normal production. So it evaluates what you do in certain lever situations against what you usually do in a neutral context environment. So the most clutch hitters in professional baseball make no sense. Alex Gordon is number one, top five is Gene Segura, Hunter Dozier for the Royals, Wilson Ramos for the Mets, Jose Iglesias for the Reds, and David Peralta for the Diamondbacks. Notice how I'm not saying Christian Yelich, I'm not saying Cody Bellinger. I'm not saying Javi Baez. I'm not saying Chris Bryant. Because those guys are typically so damn good all the time that when they don't come through in those high level situations, it counts against them. Where most of the other guys, they're not the great all the time. When they do well, they get a, a boost in that clutch rating. So that's a it's a BS number, man. Like, like most of those numbers are not. That clutch rating is just a BS number. Can I ask you uh,
0: a personal question, Brendan? Y- yes. How do you feel about KB's haircut?
1: Ah, oh, you're gonna get me in trouble, man. You're gonna get me in trouble. I, I'm not. I'm not a fan of it. But Chris Bryan can do whatever he wants. He's just <laughs> that. He's that guy. I mean, I, do I model for Express? No, I do not. So Chris Bryan can do whatever he wants.
0: All right. I was just curious. I, just, I mean, how
1: do you feel about it?
0: I'm. I feel about the same. I, it's certainly not my <laughs> style. Uh, it's getting. Uh, the the back, you know, the part that comes out of the helmet's getting a little wild. It's
1: like little little wild, little wild. But for, I, I kind of like taste. you know, Chris Bryant's not. The type of wild guy, anyways, for him to have that wild haircut is somewhat ironic. That, that's, so. his, that's his version of
0: lashing out. That that's yes. like,
1: yeah, I'm sure if you ask, so I kind of like his it dad. Because of that. He like that's
0: the craziest thing he ever did. Right, like he never got in trouble in school, never stayed out past curfew. But one time he had a wild haircut. Like he let his hair grow <laughs> too long. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I'm 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 with you. Not a fan, but. KB can do. He could show up with whatever he hair he, whatever wants. he wants. I mean, it's it's right. similar to Javi. We've seen Javi pull some
1: some weird stuff with the hair. With but the, I, the, I I like that that one. The braids I loved it. I I love the braids. Yeah. I hope he brings that back eventually. I ju-
0: I just mean like those guys, You can you can do whatever you want. Like Javi, yeah. KB. You want a mohawk? You want to shave your initials into your hair? Be my guest. Right. Like just yeah. keep keep doing you. I've, I've got no complaints about it, but Brendan, I, I do want to transition. We, we're not going to harp on this too much because we're going to get into the preview of this upcoming series with the Phillies. I think we've covered all the ground that we need to cover, but I'm not going to let this go, Brendan, because I think it's important. And we've talked about this a lot. You guys knew the minute the lineup came out on Saturday that you were going to hear Brendan and I talk about this. Brendan, you cannot... Lead off with Albert Almora Jr. I cannot believe, I literally can't believe that I am saying this to you on the air again. This is an insane thing to keep doing. I don't understand what is happening. He has, this is not a hyperbole, the worst on base percentage of any position player on the team. He has a worse worse on-base percentage than Daniel Descalso. Descalso. He has a worse on-base percentage than John Lester. Stop putting him at leadoff. You cannot be doing that. The the division is separated by less than three games to two teams. You cannot be doing this, Brendan. And what bothers me even more about this, and, and hopefully this is a way to like kind of i I know again, I know that there are serious Elmora supporters out there and and I want to say this to kind of find a middle ground here between us all. I said on the last podcast that I liked the way they were deploying him, and he was succeeding in those spots. That's what bothers me even more about this choice on Saturday, Brendan. Elmora was coming in in particular starts in particular matchups, coming in off the bench. And he was getting better results. He looked like he was seeing the ball better, getting better cuts on the ball, and was getting better results. And so instead of just saying, "Huh, this is pretty good," let's just ride with this, right? You stick him up at leadoff. He goes 0 for five. He strikes Swings out. Swings at
1: twice. the first pitch of the game. Swings at the, the, the first pitch of the game. Right down the middle. Of course. He commits
0: an error in center field. He. He misplays two other balls, which they may be difficult plays, but when you're defense first and right, like you need to make those plays like that. Overthrows
1: his cutoff guy again, Corey, multiple times this year. This
0: just can't be happening. And and can't and again, good. like we've harped on a lot of different people. This certainly like, I don't think I've ever been harder on anyone on this podcast ever than I was on Daniel Descalso when he was on this team. So this is nothing against Almora. Like, I, I like Albert Almora. I, I like him as a player in certain roles. I like him as a person. I think I've told you guys this story on the podcast, but the night the Cubs win the pennant at Wrigley Field, me and my friends go behind the Cubs dugout. We stick around for the on field celebration and whatever. And the only interaction that I had with any player was when Albert was walking off the field and I. Maybe after a few uh, adult beverages, uh, you know, you can let your mind wander. I really loudly yelled out, "Albert, FN Almora!" And he looked at me. We had like a little moment there, like you know, like a finger guns type thing, whatever it was. I, I like the guy. I-, I hate. He's got a great smile too, by the way. Just throwing it out there. And speaking of hair, let the curls grow, man. I I, I-, I got no issue there. It looks let great. Him out. But dude. Yeah. He cannot be the leadoff hitter on this team. He's got a 670 OPS, you guys. Like that—that is way too low to be at the top of this order when the games mean this much. And there are so many things. I would be the first to tell you, right? I've—you guys know this. I've had the the opportunity, the good fortune to work in a couple of front offices, and even some of the smartest people I've ever been around, analysts for the New York Yankees, would tell me some of these lineup things are so marginal they're really not worth worrying about that much whether this guy hits 3rd or 4th or whatever it really doesn't make that big of a difference don't you know don't lose sleep over it but this is the type of thing that does make a difference when you're talking about a division that two teams won 95 games in last year and that wasn't good enough right and a division right now where the top 3 teams are separated by less than 3 games hitting your worst on-base percentage player in the leadoff spot and giving him the most at-bats in a game is the type of stuff that matters. And I'm gonna, listen, we're going to keep talking about it if this keeps happening. And it's not like it's only him. There's other guys that you could put in that spot where we would have the exact same conversation, right? Jonathan Lucroy getting the start and hitting sixth. Don't love it. In what universe is he hitting in front of Schwarber? Brendan, like, so th- this stuff matters, and, and there's definitely a lot of it, like, you, Brendan and I are not going to sit here and be like, well, you know, Joe's an idiot because Castellano shouldn't hit second or whatever. Like, that's nitpicking. It, it's marginal. It's really not going to make that much of a difference in the end, but Albert Almora hitting leadoff cannot happen again. I lit- I, I'm telling you, Brendan, I literally can't believe
1: we're having this conversation again. Look, you're, you're like actually the last time we talked about this. Yeah, I'm, I'm speechless, too. And not only was Al batting leadoff, but, I mean, LaCroix batting six against or in favor of Schwarber batting up there, who's on pace for almost 40 home runs this year. In what world does that make sense? And I get some of the numbers. I get the reverse split stuff. What I don't get is Ian Happ, who had another successful game on Sunday, is not getting more than half of the starts. I just that doesn't sit well with me. And th- this is all opinion-based, right? So saying, oh, Joe is an idiot for not doing that. No, we're not saying that. But when Bodie has been who he is this year and Al has been who he is this year, you know what to expect from those guys. And those two players in particular have been going through massive adjustment phases. Hap has already overcome his adjustment phase, right? The book, the scattering reports have to be flipped on Hap because he's He's accomplished those changes, so get him out there. He's gonna hit well. He has four home runs already this season, both from the left and right side of the plate. By the way, that home run against uh, Garrett today—exceptional stuff. 88 mile per hour slider right there, on it, line drive laser from the right side for Hab. Huge sign, right? So I think right now, I'm not saying even for the rest of the season. I'm saying right now, the next week, in the moment. How on earth can you argue that Ian Hap should not be playing as much, or rather should be playing less than Amora, less than Bodie? It's it's mind-boggling to me. He has such a massive ceiling for his power, for his walks, that okay, the numbers for anyone on this team right now may not be may not make the most sense to justify starting any of these guys consistently, but at the very least, you know, Hap has successively adjusted He's in a great place mentally. When he does get his chances, he's hitting the hell out of the ball. Why, Corey? Why would he not be playing again in the next week or two? Most of these games is beyond me.
0: Production over talent, man. It's Symbol big boy time. I, I like big again. Boy. Like some of these sayings, they don't mean anything if you don't hold them to. In every instance, and again, like that's what's so frustrating about this man. We just talked about how they were using Almora more successfully, and he was getting better results than he had been for yeah. months. And you just flip it right on its head by by hitting yep. him at leadoff. And doesn't make sense. You you just can't do it. There's there's lit- and and what's so funny is when you say something like this on Twitter, there, there's always people that that come out and they're like, "Well, who would you put there?" They don't have a true leadoff hitter. Let me make this clear: Albert is the worst option on the entire roster to hit leadoff for this team. You want to put Tony Kemp there. You want to put Victor Caratini there for all I care. They are better options than Albert Almora. So saying, who would you choose? Literally anyone, my friend, literally anyone is a better option than Almora hitting leadoff. If he's going to play, he should be where he has been in these past several starts, sixth or lower. And he had been getting better results and it was not a big deal, right? You didn't hear me complaining about him getting those starts, did you? No, because I said that was fine. Like, he can be deployed successfully, but leading off, uh, and then, like, because Gray has reverse splits, Brendan. Like, if I, like, my eye roll on Saturday reading some of that logic was like,
1: God, it's, like, it's, I thought I was yeah. going to go
0: blind. Stop it. <laughs> it's, like, again, like, and, and again, We don't harp on this stuff for any other reason than this division is really close. Every little thing matters right now. Every single thing. That game where Derek Holland was pitching to righties, even though it's not the the spot that he should be in, that stuff matters. The division is tight. The margins are as slim as they can be. And unless we want to find ourselves in a position like 2018 where the Cubs win 95 games and they still have to play a stupid game 163 tiebreaker just to avoid the wild card game, we are going to keep harping on this. Get this stuff right. Let the best nine guys and your best group every day try to win games and try to win this division. All right? It's, yeah. it's as simple it's as a, that. It's as simple, simple as that, as that. Corey. And I, I do just want to say, Brendan— the Pirates are the biggest pile of useless I'm wa- I'm sacks right of now. garbage. What is that? Unbelievable. Is that? They had like an 8-3 to three lead in this I game. Know. They give up a game, well, go-ahead for now, probably game-winning shortly. Grand slam to the stinking Cardinals. Clint Hurdle watching Kyle Crick out there give up a million runs just sitting there. I, sometimes useless. you think he's doing it to spite the Cubs. But useless. Yeah, just the biggest useless sacks of garbage. Clint Hurdle... <sighs> Human garbage, the team, of the podcast, just fold no. the franchise. I, I mean, we shouldn't expect any less. Like, Jake Arietta ended them in 2015. But come on, guys. Safe. Like, you, you can't win one game against the Cardinals or Brewers? Like, seriously? Disgusting. Anyway, All right, so, on to the
1: Phillies. Uh, yeah, hopefully they're 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 rallying right now, so we'll see. But anyway, okay, so let's preview this upcoming series against the Philadelphia Phillies Corey. So the Cubs will have an off day on Monday. They'll travel to Philadelphia maybe on Monday for a three-game set against the Phillies. You can get tickets to that series as always through our sponsor SeatGeek with millions of live event tickets and a price match to guarantee. SeatGeek proves there's a better way. Search sports, live music, comedy, and more. SeatGeek has the tickets you're looking for all in one place. They built the fastest way to find tickets, so you can stop searching for the perfect seat and just start enjoying it. Why is SeatGeek better than the rest? A quick look at the App Store shows over 50,000 five-star reviews. How is that for customer satisfaction? It's just a better process. It pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web, then it rates each deal on a scale of 1 to 10. Finally, SeatGeek displays them on an interactive, Very easy to use map where green dots mean good deals. Red dots are bad overpriced deals. Again, I got my tickets to Wrigley Field in about a week and a half now against the Washington Nationals. Took me five minutes. Bought eight tickets, done within five minutes, forwarded them on to my friends. They have them, my family, they have them. Easy as that. Best of all, SeatGeek will even give you guys $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase all you need to do is use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app and use promo code CUBSRELATED for $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code CUBSRELATED for $10 off your first purchase. Okay. On Tuesday, Jose Quintana takes the mound for the Cubs, who is and 10-7 with a 4.23 ERA. That game starts at 6.05 p.m. Q will be facing Jason Vargas, former Met, who is is four, actually 6-6 six and six on the year, with a 4.09 ERA on Wednesday, same start time at 6.05 p.m., Cole Hamels back on the mound for the Cubs, looking to rebound off his bad start in Cincinnati. Hamels on the year is 6-3 with a 3.09 ERA. He'll be facing Phillies ace Aaron Nola, who is 10-3 with a 3.67 ERA. On Thursday, to finish off the three-game set, we have Yu Darvish on the mound. 4-6 with a 4.43 ERA. He'll be facing former Cub, who never played for the Cubs, but was still with the team. Drew Smiley, not having a good year this year. 75 innings pitched, 2-6 with a very bad 6.96 ERA. Right now, the Phillies are 60-57, and 57, fighting for a wildcard spot with the Cardinals, with the Brewers, with the, looks to be, most of the NL West as well, just not living up to expectations. I've been following them a little bit. Gabe Kapler, apparently is on the hot seat, whatever. The Phillies have not been playing that well. Cubs going into Philly, hopefully take care of business. As it stands, the Cardinals are still playing as we just talked about, they uh, came back from an 8-3 to or 8-4 to lead. They scored 5 in the bottom of the 7th, so we'll see how that goes. Milwaukee, however, did lose 1-0 to to Texas, so as the standings look right now, the Cubs are 2.5 games up of Milwaukee. If St. Louis wins, they'll be 2 games up. If they lose, they'll be 3 games up of St. Louis. Cubs are 10 games above 500. St. Louis 60 and 55. Again, if they win, will be 61 and 55. If they lose, will be 60 and 56. Milwaukee, 62 and 57, five games up. And uh, their last ten games, they've been five and five. St. Louis has been four and six. The Cubs have been seven and three. I mean, again, late in the season, go out there, win. Uh, if there's any noticeable things to look for, it's going to be Cole Hamels, how he continues to get back from that injury. Uh, the velocity looks uh, for Quintana. It's, you know, hopefully, goes out there continues to get the Cubs quality starts. Uh, command has been a lot better. He had that one best start within the last month, but other than that, I think he looks pretty good. And then just seeing Ian Happ. I want to see Ian Happ get out there every game. I don't care how they do it. I don't care if it's in left field, center field, right field, second base, wherever. I need to see Ian Happ every single day in this series. Uh, Corey, anything you're looking for?
0: It should be an interesting series. I mean, you've got a team in Philadelphia that is is going to need to win these games. Uh, you've had the red hot New York Mets jump them in the NL East, uh, and in those those wild card standings, I think the Braves pretty comfortable at the top of that NL East. But looking at that wild card, you know the the, the Phillies are, are quickly losing ground to teams around them. So this is going to be uh, a chance for the Cubs to really put a damper on their playoff hopes and and make some some real enemies out of those fans in philadelphia so always a a fun time to do that maybe uh you know a a nice time to uh show Bryce Harper what what could have been right like we're gonna help send you further down in the wild card standings while the Cubs are trying to charge their way to a division title he's had
1: a pretty underwhelming year though Mm -hmm. just looking at the numbers right now I know he had a, a noticeable home run in San Francisco but his overall numbers are just not the best batting 249 has 22 home runs and his weighted on base average is only 352 so you know, not having the best. Chris Bryant. If I need to remind you, is better. Almost three ninety for his weighted on base average. WRC plus around uh, one forty. So, you know, just to compare, Harper not doing the best this year.
0: I'm trying to think of some of the Facebook takes that we would get on on Cubs Insider uh, if the Cubs had <laughs> given out a 14 year contract that? to a guy hitting two forty nine. Not that I care about batting average, but I, it, you guys can fill in the blanks at how some of those takes would be going. But, uh, yeah, anyway, it's just about winning games, man. Like I think they, they, this was a, a very important win for this team on Sunday to come back and get that win, earn the split. Like we, we, we know that this Reds team is, is always in the game. They are a tough team. They're hovering around 500 now. And their pitching staff is much improved than what we've gotten used to with this Reds group. So I think to go in there and end up facing Sonny Gray, Trevor Bauer, and Luis Castillo to be able to pull off two of those games— I think is totally fine, a, a good way to start this road trip and now you head further east and and try to just keep things afloat before you're able to get back home here. but again, like everything is important now the you know even if you can get one of St. Louis or Milwaukee to start to fade, you may not be able to get both of them to do that. So you, you kind of have to operate under the expectation that one of them is going to push you to the limit here. and obviously you've got some games with those teams individually. Coming up over these last uh, you know month and a half of this season here, but taking care of business on the road and and not allowing your road record to like totally tank what you're doing here and 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 the good efforts that you put together at home is a real key as you head in in a tight division race like this so I would say just just keep it going obviously you want better performances uh, than we saw from Hendricks and Hamels this weekend you know just blow up starts like that certainly aren't going to help anyone but just keep it going. Uh, I, I think we've been pretty clear about all we're asking for, Brendan. Just just give me the best lineup we can on a daily basis, and I, I think that the the talent level that this group has should should start to win out on the road more than we have seen. Uh, but a good win on Sunday, a really nice way to pick up the team from Chris Bryant and Ian Hap there putting those runs together in late in that game, and hopefully they can ride that here. They're not going to face Jake Arietta. so we don't have any uh, juicy narratives for this series to, uh, you know, deal with like we did when he faced Hugh Darvish back at Wrigley Field earlier this year. So, just try to uh, get wins, man. That that's really all it is. It's it's a tight division, and you you got to take care of business on your own. So we we can't just keep blaming playing on the road uh, for for any and all Cubs woes. Because correct me if I'm wrong, Brennan, but if you get into the playoffs, you might have to play on the road at some point. So yeah, yeah, you're gonna gonna want to figure that out. But. Otherwise, I think that's all we have for you. Uh, a pretty interesting weekend. A lot of roster moves and obviously four games here with the Reds uh, and a, a tale of, of four games, right? The, the two on the ends of this Reds sandwich, very nice. We, we'd love them. Uh, the two in the middle, not so great. So it is what it is, but ultimately a split is just fine to start this three series road trip and hopefully the Cubs can improve on that and win this series upcoming with Philadelphia Philadelphia. As always, uh, when we do have those off days, hope you enjoy it. Uh, it's it's about mid-August here, so you know it's it's about that time to to take these off days. And even though sometimes we really miss Cubs baseball, just remember that you're going to have to buckle that seatbelt for the next month and a half here. So maybe enjoy the off day, take a breather, and we'll all reconvene on Tuesday to do our best to will this team to some victories over the aforementioned Bryce Harper and the Philadelphia. Phillies. But other than that, I think that's all we have for you. As always, we thank you guys for joining us here on the Cubs Related Podcast. We will talk to you after the Cubs and Phillies finish things up on Thursday. And as always, go Cubs!
1: Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required.